Well, it's good to see everybody out this morning. Uh, I do want to remind everybody uh, when we have uh, Kyle Budd here, it will be a different format because it will be a seminar. It's not a gospel meeting. Uh, The gospel will be presented, but uh, we also need to remember that it's going to be uh, a seminar format. So uh, be prepared for that, but also uh, hopefully you're preparing to come and be a part of that uh, because I think that our nation is turning away from God uh, more and more every day. When we talk about worshiping God, one aspect of that worship is our gathering together. And David said in Psalm chapter 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. I ask you, how happy are you? How thrilled are you to be able to come and worship God at every opportunity that we're supposed to have? Do you feel like you're drug here on Sunday morning or Sunday evening? Do you feel like you have to be here or somebody's going to be upset with you? Or do you look forward to Sunday morning or Sunday evening so that you can come and worship God together with His saints? I believe that that's important. And we talked a little bit about that last Sunday, about God had a plan for us to come together. He doesn't want us to be in our homes and everybody doing their own thing. He wants us to come together upon the first day of the week to worship Him. And so I ask, why are you here today? I believe that you have a tremendous influence on people. And your absence or your being here is saying something to people around you. And you look at the person that's next to you, and most of the time it's going to be a family member or someone that's a close friend. Look at that individual and ask yourself, are they a better Christian because of my example? Are they going to be in heaven because my example to them? Or are they going to be in the other place? Because my influence wasn't what it should be. Tonight we're going to look at Somebody's influence that had a tremendous impact not only on himself, but in other people's lives down the road. And that's what we need to remember. You see, God wants us to come together and to worship God, it requires that we assemble together with the saints. I told my wife this morning on the way in that there's probably some that may not like my sermon uh, because I'm going to talk about we need to be here and some of the reasons why uh, what, what we're saying when we're not here. And it'd be like, Paul, do I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What we need to understand is the Bible is talking. It's God's Word is telling us what we need to do in order to get to heaven. And we can't go about setting our own standard. We have to listen to what God's Word says. And in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19 through 27, we find there that the writer is discussing the conversion of a man, the conversion of a people. And we need to understand that. Because we can see in several different verses what he's talking about. In verses 19 through 20, listen to what it says Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say His flesh. We are a royal priesthood. In the Old Testament, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies. The priest was only allowed to go into the Holy Place. Not the Holy of Holies. Jesus is that high priest for us. He went into that Holy Place. 
And He offered His life. He died on the cross. He shed His blood so that you and I could be a priest, a holy nation, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood in the kingdom of God. And because we have that relationship, there's changes that need to be made in our lives. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to describe the things that take place when we are converted to Christ. But I want you to remember that phrase there in verse 20 where it talks about a new and living way. When Jesus died on the cross, He brought about a new kingdom. The old law was done away with. The, the, the uh, offering of animal sacrifices were done away with. And Jesus was that ultimate sacrifice that was shed so that we could have the remission of sin. You can back up there in that chapter and you can see that in just a few verses. And when Jesus died on the cross, He brought in a new way. A living way that you and I are to follow if we want to be a part of that kingdom. And if we consider ourselves that royal priesthood, then there needs to be some changes that we make in our lives when we obey the gospel. What is that new and living way? Well, we can see that we draw near with a sincere heart if we continue to read on. And that's our faith. When we obey the Gospel, faith is something that is involved. We hear God's Word. We hear what we're supposed to do. And we obey it. Because why? We believe it. God extends His grace by telling us what you and I need to do in order to be saved. And through faith, we accept what God's Word teaches. Because when we go down to that watery grave of baptism, when we go down in that water, it's not like there's some ooze that comes up out of that water representing our sin. And so by faith, we go down in that water and we come up a new creature. Why? Because of the faith that we have in what God has said. We believe it and we trust it and we're putting our soul on the line. And that faith continues on, not just when we obey the Gospel, as we live that faithful life. We continue to study and read and find what God wants us to do. And we have faith as we grow and mature as a Christian. But that faith is important. And then we have our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. That's repentance. We turn away from our sin. We live a wicked, sinful life. You say, well, I didn't live a wicked life. Well, if you had sin in your life, it separated you from God. And you had to turn and put your trust and faith in God. And that's repentance. We're no longer following the ways of the world. We want to do what God wants us to do. We've turned and said this is what we're going to do. And we have faith in His plan. We're turning away from the world. And then we see having our bodies washed with pure water. That's the act of baptism. Going down in that water and coming up out of that water. Why do we do that? Because that's what Jesus said we needed to do in order to be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We believe that. And so we are baptized into Christ. And we have our sins washed away by His precious blood that was shed. His flesh hung on the cross and He died for you and me. And He did that so we could have this new and living way. And we hold fast, therefore, to the profession of our faith. Some translations say confession of our faith without wavering. Is that out of order? No, that's not out of order. I, mean, I know we have a, a certain way of describing the plan of salvation, but we make that public confession that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And because of that, we're making Him Lord of our lives. And when we go down in that watery grave of baptism, we don't stop making that confession or that profession. We still believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that we want to be obedient to His will. So it's something that we're doing every day. 
And there's many times we have an opportunity to stand up and say what's right, what the Bible teaches. And that's part of that confession or professing our faith. It's obedience. It's obedience unto death. That means that we're faithful to our Lord, not just when we come up out of that watery grave of baptism, but that means we're faithful to the Lord all the days of our remaining life. And then it goes on talks about provoking one another to love and good works. That's admonition, verse 24. That's putting in mind, reminding people of what, people, what we need to do as Christians. And that's one of the things we come together for to remind ourselves of what's important, what we need to be doing in this life, how we go out into the world and, and share the Gospel, how we go out into the world and live our lives. All of those things are important. And so we're here to provoke one another to love and to good works. Care about people's souls. Love each other as we're supposed to. The failure to live this way, knowing the truth, puts us in the category of willful sin. The Hebrew writer is telling us these are the things that we're supposed to be doing. And he's putting attendance as something that's very important. Now you think about that. Well, I can come if I want to. Well, yeah, you can come if you want to. You can stay home if you want to. You can go to the, to the, to the ball game if you want to. You can go do whatever you want to do if that's what you want to do. It's not what you want to do. It's what the Lord wants us to do. That's what we need to remember. We're not talking about missing services because you're sick. We're not talking about missing services because you're staying home with a sick child. I'm not even talking about those who occasionally have to miss because work has said you have to be at work. I'm talking about those who as a matter of choice or preference are absent from the assembly. They've made that decision themselves. I'm going to miss. What does it mean? What does it mean when we choose not to attend? It demonstrates one contempt or contempt for spiritual things. In Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9, it says this. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnal, carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the laws of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So from this passage of Scripture, we see there's flesh and there's spirit. Are we choosing the flesh? Are we staying home? Are we missing because we want to do something to fulfill ourselves? It's something that I want to do. I don't want to hear that preacher rant and rave. Maybe that's the reason. I don't know. Or are you more spiritually minded? And if you're spiritually minded, why would you not want to be with God's saints on every occasion that we have?
When you decide not to attend, is it because of spiritual reasons or worldly reasons? Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. What's he telling us there? We're going to reap what we sow. Is spiritual mindedness important in your life? Do your, does your family, do the people close to you realize how important spiritual things are to you? Or do they see you more worldly oriented? You reap what you sow. And yeah, sometimes we get tired. We all get tired. But what does it say? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if ye faint not. Don't let go. There are some that are here every time the doors are open. That's great encouragement, not only to themselves, but to others that are around them. Remember your influence. What are you telling others? When you're not here, if missing a gathering of saints is due to worldly reasons, what do you think the results are going to be? It means choosing not to do something that you know is good for you. James chapter 4, verse 17 To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. And we can justify all day why we don't want to be here or why I don't have to be here. It's again a question of do I want to be here? And when we know that God wants us to do something, to, 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 to practice something, should we ignore that? You say, well, it doesn't say we have to be here at every service. Well, I say you don't have to be either. And when it tells us to be there, that's telling us to be there. When we know what we're supposed to do, and we don't do it, James says that it's a sin. Now we look at that about baptism. Somebody doesn't want to be baptized. What what does the Bible teach us? Do we compromise there too and say, well, it's okay, you do what you want to do and you know, it'll be alright. No. The same is true. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do we keep His commandments? It means choosing not to give or receive encouragement when we are not here. Hebrews chapter 10 Verses 24 and 25, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. It's difficult to encourage others to live better if we only see them infrequently. If you see someone once every blue moon, it's hard to encourage them. 
In 1 Corinthians the 14th chapter and verse 26, we find there that worship is not just for God. It benefits us also. Are you glad when you get here? Now, there may be mornings you get up and you say, I don't want to go, I don't feel like going, and, and then you go and you get here. I would venture to say that most of us that have had that thought, when we get here, we start singing and praising God, we start to feel better. If we don't, maybe there's something wrong with our heart. But worship isn't just for God. It encourages us. And we need to remember that God is here. He's present with us. He that said, where two or three are gathered together in My name, there I am in the midst of them. So God's here. And I've always wondered if we had a chair sitting up here for God to sit in and we could physically see Him, how many people would be here today? Or if I said He's going to be here tonight, how many would be back? Don't forget, he's not, he, is, he is here. Not because we can't see Him. doesn't mean He's not here. It's, he's here. And He's watching. And He's listening. It means choosing to violate a direct command of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 25. Recall the definition of sin, what the Bible tells us about it. First John chapter three and verse four, whosoever transgresses sin or committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is a transgression of the law. Whether people like to admit it or not, Christ gave us a new law to follow. And we are to follow that law. And when I purposely choose to ignore it or justify not doing it, then what does that say? about my relationship with God. Again, what did Jesus say? If you love Me, keep My commandments. Why call ye Me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do we call Him Lord if we're just going to ignore what He said? Remember the progression that takes place in our conversion. There's changes that are supposed to take place in our life. What God wants for us is most important. Not what we want for ourselves. What God wants for us. When does it become wrong? When does something become wrong? Think about that. Is it the first time we miss? Well, you think about murder. How many times does someone have to murder someone before it's a sin? So is it the action or is it the number of times? How many times do I steal before it becomes a sin? Again, it's the action. It's not the number of times. The first time it's a sin. So how many times can I miss service and it be alright with God? A thousand? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. How about a hundred? Oh, no, 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 no. Do I have to come at all? I visited someone one time that uh, has stopped coming to services. And they said, oh, I still do all the stuff I'm supposed to do. I still pray and I still read my Bible. Well, there's more too coming together. 
So if it's wrong to do it a thousand times or it's wrong to do it a hundred times, what about that one time? Some sins are done out of ignorance. Some are done through a weakness in our spirit. And then there are some that are done unintentionally. But how many of you at times have made plans knowing that you would not be able to attend services? A Christian does not live a sinless life. But he should not be planning to violate the command of God. At another congregation that I attended, I heard some people that were planning to do something Sunday night because they didn't want to come to church. Think about that. They wanted to go do what they wanted to do as opposed to what God wanted them to do. Now that would be awful because if you heard the conversation, you would say, you don't need to be going there. But what do we do at home? That's so important. Or so much more important than being here. Even on Sunday night. Now I realize I'll preach this sermon if there won't be anybody here tonight. But I'm still going to preach it. And we need to understand that God has a plan for us and He wants us to live by that plan. And so we don't want to violate His Word. Because when we purposely violate His law, that's a willful sin. And when you read that passage of Scripture there in Hebrews chapter 10, that's a frightful thought. When we willfully sin against God. It means choosing to be ignorant of God's way. You see, the people in the Old Testament were destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 tells us that. When we choose to remain ignorant of God's Word, we can be destroyed. I believe the church is in a condition that it's in in some places because there's a lack of knowledge of God's Word. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, verse 3, it says, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. God's ways are right. And when we go about saying, well, I can do what I want to do. God will accept it. God's okay with it. Isn't that exactly what the children of Israel did? Isn't that exactly what Paul is talking about here in Romans chapter 10, and verse 3? You see, our knowledge is to grow. In 2 Peter chapter 1, and verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I supposed to grow as a Christian? The Apostle Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. To grow. I can do that at home. Do you know how many people have said to me, and I know you've probably said it to other people, that I learned something new today. I never thought of it that way. 
And maybe it's because of the comments that someone makes in class. Or maybe the teacher in your class has made a comment or the sermon has, has sparked something that you didn't understand or you didn't know. But if you weren't here that day, you wouldn't have learned it, would you? We have our kids sent to school because we understand that on their own, most children would find something more important to do than to learn. When people decide not to attend, the things they learn rapidly diminish because they find other things to do than to learn about God's Word. You don't believe me? I wonder how much our kids have lost over the last year when we didn't have Bible study. How many of us forget because we don't remind ourselves of the things that we've learned from God's Word from time to time? How many of us can even say the books of the Bible? We learned those as a kid. We forget those things. Why? Because we don't continue to practice them. That's why the Lord wants us to come together, to provoke each other, to remind each other, to stir up, to admonish one another, to do what we're supposed to do. It means we're choosing to set a bad example when we're not here. How many of your neighbors... Friends, families, or even spouses will be led to God when they observe your indifference to worship. I remember meeting one person who came to a meeting who was a bit put off because the person that invited them wasn't here. What kind of example was that? Think about that. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word and conversation in charity and spirit and faith in purity. That's not just for young people. That's for all of us. What kind of example are we setting? In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13 through 16, Jesus said, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if that salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How many people are going to be in heaven because of the example that you've set in their life? 
It means we're choosing to discourage the faithful. Perhaps you think that the faithful never get discouraged, but you're wrong. The faithful do get discouraged. And there have been times where we're having something or even a Sunday evening service and somebody will say, where's everybody at? Or Wednesday night, where's everyone at? You see, the one week we have 30. That's not our normal normal. Where's everybody at? Paul took courage and was encouraged when he saw that others were willing to meet him in Acts chapter 28, verse 15. And it's encouraging when we see people here that are here because they want to be here. Because they're glad when they said, let us go to the house of God. When we have an opportunity to worship Him, to praise Him, to be thankful for all that He's done for us. It's not about us. It's about our relationship with God. There have been times when I've been at other places visiting, pull into the parking lot on a Sunday night, nobody shows up. And that was, this isn't because of the pandemic, this is well before the pandemic. Call and say, uh, where's everybody at? Well, there's not usually anybody there on Sunday night. So the preacher just decided to stay home too. What does that say to the community? More important, what does it say to the faithful? Those that have been out of town or out of town and come to visit your congregation and you are not there. Think about those things. You see, our attendance is important. What if everyone decided to attend services as often as you do? What if I attended services as often as you do? Would that be okay? Well, no, we pay you. You do. But you know that old saying, if it's good for the goose... It's good for the gander. So if you can stay home, why can't I stay home? Why do I need to come? Well, you're an example. And so are you. If one member can choose to not attend, then all of us can stay home and not attend. You see, your choice is to set the pace or to drag the rest down. We have a choice. And your choice is important. So I want you to think about those things. Don't get mad at me. Because that's what the Bible's showing us. We need to be reminded of that sometimes. This morning, if you need to respond to the invitation, you can come and have a seat up here on the front row. You have that opportunity while we stand aside.